Hey, it's BT with Tales from a Gemini. This episode, I'm not going to lie, this one is just straight for me. This is the inspiration for me being a comedian. Uh, you know, you're always looking for different styles. What's your style going to be? And I, and I told this guy before, I said, listen, I basically copied your style. I stole your style in the beginning. And that's comedian Steve White. Steve White is just as funny as any person. I do mean anybody out there. He makes you laugh. He makes you think. He's also a great actor. You're going to love I love this episode. I hope you love it. I hope you get the passion that I get from this episode. Enjoy Steve White. One. Two, three, yeah. Hey, it's BT with Tales from a Gemini, and man, I got a special guest that, uh, this has been a long time in the making. Let me tell you something. In, in my comedy career, starting out, you know, I always say it's like a single man cooking spaghetti. You just throw it up against the wall, see what sticks. You know, I mean, you don't know what your style is. You just want to make people laugh and be funny. And you're trying to find out, you know, what your style is. And I remember watching this guy on TV and I was like, holy shit, I want to be like him. And I tell him this all the time. I said, you know what? I tried to steal your style. I mean, when I first saw you, I go, I'm stealing that guy's style. I don't say, I don't say stealing or, or the rappers call it borrowing, but I said, I want to be that guy. And that guy has never disappointed. Every time you see him, he kills. On every level, he's accomplished everything. He's had a morning talk show. He's been in five Spike Lee movies. He's been a series regular on an ABC hit show. What hasn't he done? He's won awards for his acting, ladies and gentlemen. And I can call him my buddy, Mr. Steve White. What's up, brother? What's up, BT? How's it going? You, Hello, man, the world. <laughs> man, I'm not going to lie, man. You are, I mean, I'm just looking at your bio and just, work, and you to me are what comics should be. I mean, it's like, you, if you just want to go and laugh and forget about all the social ramifications, there's no one better than you. I mean, I remember, here's what I remember. I remember being on, uh, we did a, a Super Bowl cruise um, uh, coming out of Long Beach. And if you ever done a Super Bowl cruise on oh Carnival, God. don't. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, it, it, it literally is like boys in the hood in the water. It really is. I mean, I, 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 I was in my room for 24 hours, 23 hours of the day. And luckily I work with this guy and he got me through it. Steve, man, I mean, honestly, you are, t I, t I just think you are one of the greatest comics that doesn't get the accolades you deserve, brother. I mean, you've done it all. Like, what sticks out for you? Well, I'll tell you, man, and, and thank you very much for that kind introduction. But my brain went to the self-saboteur in me because I was just starting to think about, OK, so Chappelle and the Heart were on stage the other night. I mean, and Chris Rock and, and, and Chappelle does a guest spot. And I go, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> I'm older than these guys. I started before these guys. I know, I, don't get me wrong, love the Super Bowl crews and all that stuff, but it's like, <laughs> I just, I always think about ascension and what what the hell am I doing? Or what the hell am I not doing? Because why, I was like, I was in the shower today going, nobody, know. can I curse on this show? I don't even know if I can curse. Oh, hell anybody. yeah, yes. Yeah. I was like, I was in the shower going, nobody knows who the fuck I am. And it was slightly depressing, but I'm healthy and I'm alive. My mom's alive. I'm taking care of her sometimes. But it, it, it's one of these industries where if you just don't, it's like a shark. If you try to stop, you're going to the bottom and you're drowning. You got to keep moving. You got to keep swimming on whatever level that is. Could be podcast, could be writing, uh, could be, you know, doing your own project. But uh, sometimes it, it can slightly get depressing and and for me, it's like, fuck it, I would just want to give up, but I'm not the day job type guy. So eventually I kick myself in the ass, go grab a microphone and do something. A couple of days ago, I went down to a comedy club. Damon Wayne's happened to be there. I was like, yo, I'm emceeing the show. Don't have to pay me. You don't have to give me anything. I'm emceeing the show. MC for Damon. We had a nice little drink and talk afterwards. It was just one of those things that let me know that I'm alive and the blood is flowing and I know how to do this and control the crowd and have the confidence to be up there. But uh, for me, because I'm not, I don't have, I, 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 was, I was like being honest with myself. And I was like, I don't have that Kobe mentality. Like that mamba like, Arr! until yeah. I grab that microphone and I go, I got to win. It's me against these 90 people. It's me against these 200 people. It's me against these 2000 people. But so far as like, being in the gym at four o'clock in the morning and, and, and that, that straight mamba, I'm just being honest with myself and doing straight self-awareness. Uh, um, Maybe that's not my lane. Maybe that's not, I'm not the cutthroat assassin type guy. And everybody can't be, you know what I mean? 
but that doesn't discount what I've done or what I want to do. So what I do is I pray for strength, grace, mercy, creativity, and, and keep rolling, you know? Man, I mean, I'm glad you went there, and I'm glad we're going there early. I feel like this is a Hagler Hearns first round. You know, <laughs> fuck a jab. Let's just go at it and try to knock each other out. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. I was gonna, I was gonna soften you up with some jabs. You know, talk about this, and then, hey, man, how come you're not more successful? You know what I mean? But, <laughs> but it's the truth because, but this is not a slight, and I'm glad you brought it up because I was gonna go there. It's just, and I'm not even, and I'm trying to uh, detach myself from my emotion because. Like I said, if you look down your 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 uh, resume, you've achieved everything. National commercials. You're a great actor. I mean, I mean, I mean it from bottom of my heart. When I saw you and Do the Right Thing before I even met you, I remember being in Chicago watching Do the Right Thing. I watched it twice within three days. I mean it from bottom. That's how great that movie was. And I was like, man, this dude is fucking killing it. You know, you know what? 113 with tax. That was you. I remember that. 113 with tax. I remember that shit, man. I, wrote I was like, those things too. I was like, this dude is great, right? And I see your stand up when you're your Def Jam set. When you're like, you're like, uh, you go, fellas, unless you're bringing what? A dick that's eight pounds, three ounces. You ain't doing shit. I just remember all that. And I'm going, this dude is great. And I'm, everything you've done, you've killed. And so I'm like, why isn't he bigger? And I know it's like sometimes, you know, and I, at the same time, I remember I watched uh, the Godfrey uh, podcast with the Ghetto Boys and they never talk about him. How can he not bigger? And I go, well, you know what? As great as you guys are, maybe you have to write your own vehicle. And, and it's to the point now, maybe you have to put all your money and produce and direct your own series or whatever it is and hope that gets picked up or, or just keep doing it with the hope that it's going to get picked up by somebody, the right person sees it. I mean, I don't, I know enough about the business to know they like it when you write your own vehicle, but at the same time, it's got to catch heat. And why do you think you haven't really caught that heat, heat, heat that I feel that you definitely deserve? You know, sometimes I think, I'm slightly, but not a lot, like a generation, but slightly ahead of my times. I'll give you an example. You talked about the joke about you got to have a dick that's three pound, five ounces. I did that in the nineties. How many times have you heard other comedians that are quote unquote more successful do reiterations of that joke? Um, I did a joke about the Doubleman twins that I heard uh, Jamie Foxx do later. You know, I'm not saying he stole it, but I was like, Double W pleasure, W fun, whatever the joke was. I saw it on TV done by somebody. So once somebody does what you think you wrote on TV, it ain't your joke no more. It's that celebrity. Here's another perfect example. Earlier this year in January, I was attacked on stage. Nobody knows about it. Miami cop on the um, on a cruise ship got pissed off, threw a drink at me, was headed towards me and the crowd you know, got him out of the way. And uh, it could have been something really awful. And this, and then right after that, Chris Rock happened, Dave Chappelle happened. I was like, I'm doing this shit before all these guys, even getting attacked. <laughs> ah, and nobody knows. But, um, and so I, I the, the, when you start doing this a lot, you got to yes. swing that finger around, point to yourself and go, what am I not doing? What do I really want? Uh, I know I want to do stand up. I've been doing stand up 35 years now. Um, but, you know, I'm not a bringer show type guy. You know, I have I, I, you. You're in the Midwest. I, all of the funny bones out there. Every time I do them, the staff comes up to me. You're the funniest guy we've seen come through here in months and years. Blah, 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 blah. And then Stroop one day was like, your last name's not Wayans. At least he was honest. He was like, hey, you're not Steve Wayans. I'm like, all right. Uh, and then when I say, hey, I'll feature for these guys. I smoke them off the stage and they yes. go, that doesn't work either. So got to find a lane, got to keep being creative. I'm also a father and taking care of an elderly mother. So <laughs> that sandwich generation. So sometimes it's like, do you want to do a spot tonight? It's like, no, nah, I got to clean poop off the wall or whatever. You know, I'll make sure my kids are getting into school and stuff like that. Or my ex-wife is not trying to rob me again. So, uh, not giving up, not getting the day job, but at the same time, I got to point at me and go, do you hustle as much as uh, as uh, Kevin Hart? You know what I mean? Do do, do you? When I, I saw Kevin do an interview. He was talking about his six-year plan and bop, boop, bop, and this, we're going to do this in 2026, and in 2027, we're coming out with this. It's very specific, and you got to be specific with the universe. All this stuff we know, I know, but do we put it into our 
daily plan? Do we put it into our action plan to make sure what we're doing tomorrow lines up with what we want to have in two years? Well, I mean, to that, and and which I and and I hope you feel the same way I do. It's like I think you have the same frustration I do. I mean, like you said, I mean, what hit me, Beth, when you said you were in the shower thinking, "Man, what the fuck am I doing?" I mean, do you feel at one time you got lost? I mean, you feel at one time like maybe because you know this business is so encompassing when it's your, you know, because I know you, you've had more success than me, and I'm frustrated, so I. I can't even imagine what it's like for you. You've been in just a little bit, a little bit longer than me. And I do mean just a little bit. But at the same time, was there a time you felt like you got lost, you lost your way, and now maybe there's a re, uh, like a, a re-ener- uh, you re-energized? Yeah, because I always thought, you know, and I don't, I never like to play victim mode. And when I catch myself doing victim mode, I catch myself and go, bah, so what? But I always thought that, you know, what do you do with the polysyllabic Negro? You know, I always think that, the industry says we don't have enough black guys in late night because they can't read a teleprompter. I can read a teleprompter. I can read a teleprompter fast, you know, or do you have to have, if you have this color skin, a different voice that's not your own, a name that's not your own, a character that's not you. How come you just can't be you? You know, Byron Allen is not killing them on the stand-up stage, but Byron Allen is fucking killing them. <laughs> you know what I'm- you know what I'm saying? So yes, uh, yes. <laughs> I ain't gonna lie, man. Nobody you, makes me laugh like you do. <laughs> yes, but it's the truth, though. And yeah. I was, man, you're reading my mind. I swear to God, I feel like right now you're Bill Belichick, and I'm and I'm the '94 uh, uh, '94 Colts, where you where you're like one. one one play ahead of me. Like, yeah. I'm going to ask you this, and you're like, he picked it off again. And I'm like, Peyton Manning looking around like, God damn it, guys. That's what I feel like. Because I was going to go there. I was like, I just feel like, and and I remember this because because uh, Howard Stern, man, I, I, I hated watching how he did you when you were on, I think, I want to say it was show. The Magic Show, and he was like, you don't even talk like a black guy. And you had to, and it, and it was weird because you had to show like, hey, man, I'm educated. But at the same time, yeah, I love rap music. I, I'm black. I am. I do all this stuff. I just don't sound this way. And so, and I remember, I remember Howard getting you, and you was like, oh, it just made me so angry. And it's like, can you be just your regular self if you don't sound like this and still be considered black by, by both sides? I mean, because we get it. We get it also. So I'm not just going to project it on one person like us, but I mean, do you feel that way? Like, you know, like we don't sound like a, uh, sound like, sound like a, a, a Dion Cole or sound like a, or like a Jamie Foxx or whatever, but at the same time, man. A hamburger or something. Uh, yeah. I mean, and, this, and like I said, I hope people Ain't understand no we're not, we're not dissing them. I love those guys and I, I love their style. I do, I do, I do. But I think sometimes they don't understand, hey man, we're being ourselves also. We're being ourselves also. I mean, the fact that, you know, I would rather watch a motorcycle race like over a basketball game any goddamn day. I would rather, you know what I mean? Because we have the same passion. That's motorcycle. So, you know, like, what do we do in that situation where we feel like, yeah, we are black. We're just a different, we're just another lane. Will they allow us to be in that lane? Because honestly, I see very few now that are in that lane that we're talking about. And that's why your key word was, will they allow us to be? And you have to... I have to get rid of the, will they allow us to be? Yes. Will I allow me to just be my authentic or whatever the word I'm trying to say, self and, (laughs) and, and hope and pray the crowd comes. But if not, I did me. It wasn't on a Frank Sinatra type level, but I did do it my way because it's my authentic, again, can't say it, self. (laughs) See what happens when you sober up? God damn it. Give me a drink. Uh, (laughs) But uh, authentic self. There it is. Um, yeah, man. Uh, and then and from acting, I was like, what, what, what do we do? I had white people say, what, what do we do with a guy like you? We just, I don't know. You can't just put me out there and make me, let me entertain people and let people laugh in the audience and have a good fucking time. Why does it have to stereotypically fit in a box that you have in your head that may not even exist? But it exists because it paid money in the past from Martin to Bob, the Boo and all these shows. But how about just, you know, you know, every every time I see what's the fucking Michael Strahan gets a job, I go, that's my fucking job. 
That's my job right there. Everything, my, but why? You got to be an ex NFL football player and big and some type of hook to get on. Everything Michael Strahan does, I can do twice as good. And if I ever see him, I'm whipping this fucking out. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? It's like, you go, that's my job right there. Why do they have no. to hire the guy that has some type of hook? He was an NFL player or he did this or that. How about the guy that's just qualified for that job? Grab a microphone. And that's why I did, I did, uh, um, the price is right. I was very good at that. It was fantastic. It was good. And actually Drew's job is easier than the voiceover guy's job because I got to read text and do all that stuff very quick. But, um, the, the, just keep poking at it and, 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 and until it breaks through. And if it doesn't break through, enjoy the journey. And that's the breakthrough. The fact that you got to be alive and do stand up comedy and give your gift and not implode on yourself, uh, and stay creative and stay challenging yourself, myself, in ways that's challenging to me. Because ways that's challenging to me are going to be different than ways that are challenging to the next guy. Life well lived, you know, over 50 now. You know, I'm not going to be young Urkel or whatever. You know what I mean? But I, that but, doesn't mean I have to stop and work for Amazon. Fuck that. But at the same time, and I'm glad, uh, but at the same time, though, it's like, you know, you say that, but I, I put it this way, man. I mean, yeah, there are little openings. I go, like you said, with Michael Strahan, and there's a guy who uh, works, uh, black guy works super cross. And I think he's a singer, actually. I think he was a, anyway. Oh, that's the guy he, with the dreads? He, no, he doesn't have dreads, but he's on, he does super cross. He interviews guys, get the crowd warmed up and everything. And Same I go. Masakella, right? Is his name No, 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 no. That, but he, that, that's the X Games, dude. He's the X okay. Games. I know, okay. Same I know the guy works. Yeah, but super, super cross, but just for super cross. And I think he's a singer. That's how much I know about the younger, younger generation. I think he's a singer. But I go, you know what? That should have been my job, but that should have been my job 20 years ago. You know what I mean? So now I kind of understand now if you're like an 80 year old black man and you see like an interracial couple, you go, oh, that could have been me. You know what I mean? <laughs> like if you're, if you're an 80 year old black man from Mississippi and you always want to date a white woman and then like your grand, like your great, great grandson does, you go, you know, boy, we could have done that back in my day. I love your grandson. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so I look at that and I go, yeah, that's good. But Sometimes it does make me upset because, okay, now what if somebody called you and just now it, it's clicked with me, how your style is, how you are on stage. If somebody would have called you the Black Dane Cook, you know, would you take that as a compliment or you take it? Because I think Dane Cook, don't get me wrong, I love Dane Cook. I thought what Dane Cook did, we, he revolutionized comedy, I really think. But watching you, he, you and Dane are pretty much the same. I mean, you both very creative. You're both very physical on stage. You get that gut laugh that, I mean, I've physically cried from watching both of you. So if somebody called you the Black Dane Cook, would you take that as an insult or go, yeah, I wish I would have had those opportunities in front of me like he does, but I'm happy. Because I'm having a hard time sometimes enjoying the journey. Because it's mm -hmm. like, okay, yeah, man, I've journeyed a lot. I've seen 49 states I've, and, you know, I'm having a hard time enjoying the now of it until you just said you're doing what you want to do and this and that. Okay, that's great. But God damn it, man, I'm ready for another journey, you know, with, with inside the business. You know, I'd rather be a series regular or, or this and that. And it's like sometimes it's hard to like get to where you got to get. So if somebody called you the black Dan Cook, how would you feel? I would say that's fantastic. But can I be the black Rob, Robin Williams? Because... That's what I feel a little bit more in line with. But Dan is, I don't have a problem with that. You know, but I just go Robin Williams a little bit more so far as television, Fisher King movies, and stand-up at the Met. That's my head right there. Stand-up at the Met, Fisher King, or um, the other one with um, Captain O'Captain, uh, uh, Good Will Hunting, yes. or, or, or stand-up at the Met. That's, that's, that's the three I want to do. Live concert, boom, television success and movie success. Um, the only thing that uh, Robin doesn't didn't do that I would like to do uh, more of is plays. That would include Broadway. That would include small productions of uh, Othello or Dutchman or all these plays that I've been trained and 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 ready to do and wanting to do. So I don't have a problem with that. Give me the opportunity. Let's go. Um, I think. Oh, this is a good point. I'm glad I mentioned acting. I think what happens with uh, you and our generation and. I'll say me in particular, because again, doing this, you got to do this. Yes. Yeah. I, I've had teachers like I, I went to superbike school because I want to learn how to do something. So I went to Keith Coat Superbike School, even though I've been riding motorcycles for 
15 years before that. I learned more in four days than I learned in 15 years about yes. apexing and where to look and all this stuff and, you know, coming out of turns and, you know, visualizing and all this stuff. When I go skiing, I want to have a good instructor. So from going, making pizza wedges with the skis to small bumps and stuff like that, I want to learn how to do things right. So I've always gravitated yoga, acting class, scuba, bicycle riding, whatever it is, golf now, finding the right instructor that's good for me and getting better at it. So I know in my heart, I know how to do something. And that takes time to get to. And then you'll have the one day wonder just coming and go, Ping! And you go, but I studied. And I, I was hanging out with Larry Moss before Jim Carrey knew Larry Moss, before uh, all these actors, the Chris Rock started working with Larry Moss. I was with Larry Moss, the acting teacher, in the 90s, three times a week in Santa Monica from 6 p.m. to 1 a.m. doing mirror exercises, hand exercises, doing the acting stuff, doing plays, learning it, learning it, learning it. And then all these people go, have you ever heard of Larry Moss? He's the best acting teacher in the world. I got an Oscar and I got an Egon. I got, I was with that motherfucker. So there's something about me that goes, I want to learn from the best and learn how to do it right. But that takes time. And we're in a different society now where you can just get hot and have a TikTok thing. Just go, oh yeah. And then they, here's what doesn't happen. They take that actor that blows up from the TikTok special and they go, okay, so here's Shakespeare. Do this. And they go, they fall on their fucking face. They can't do it. So they just stay in their lane. And to our ego, it looks like they've made it. But have they? They've made a lot of money. They did this TikTok thing. Millions and millions of people know about them. But can they grab a script? Know how to break it down? Know how to do their intentions? Know their moment before? Know how to look uh, another actor in the eye and make a scene? And know your intention? Know what the actor wants? And all that stuff. Can they do that? So the answer is no. But we don't win a prize or get money for that. All we get is the the knowingness that we really know how to do something. You know what I mean? So if somebody throws me in in a pool or there's a riptide, I know not to try to swim to the shore. I know Mother Nature is going to win. And if I try to win this, I'm going to die. Let the water take me where it's going to take me. It'll drop me off somewhere, swim parallel to the coast, and then easily swim in. That's from knowing stuff. The guy that got the TikTok video, the, the billionaire, is dead in the water right now because he didn't take the scuba classes, didn't get certified, didn't get Patty certified, has not gone out in open water and done this shit. So there's something to it. But does it give you give you the glam and all that bling at the comedy cellar or whatever? Maybe not. People choose their own fucking lanes. I don't like to just get on top of a cake unless I know those layers under it I've earned and worked for. But that's me. But is it, do you take some kind of solace in the fact, though, that you do get that respect from the people in the know? Like yes. you said, you open up for Damon. They know. They know what you bring. It's like, you know what? It's like those fighters that are protected. You know what I mean? Like, oh, this dude, oh, that dude right there, he's that dude. And that dude, like, yeah, he, okay, you know, they're gassing him up. But he also knows why he avoids fights. Jake they also Paul. know why he... <laughs> you know, that type of thing. This is exactly what I'm talking about. These yeah. people, but can you really fault them? They're like, yo, we can no. polarize this thing and make some money and blah 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 blah, and not really know how to fight. <laughs> if, if, if you're gonna back a, if you're gonna back a truckload of money up to my house, I, I don't get mad at anybody. I don't get mad at anybody who can make that bank. I don't. As long as you don't disrespect me and you un- and I and you know that I know. And you respect me in that, like, hey, man, look, I know you're you're that dude, but, you know, I'm making my money. You don't say nothing, and I'll take care of you, whatever. You know, I remember I worked with a some kind of radio personality with the CMT, Country Music. And after that first night, he was like, hey, listen, man. <laughs> hey, listen, I'll open for you. <laughs> <laughs> and you close it. And blah, blah, blah. I said, okay. And then, and then you call them and tell them that, you know, what happened. And I got extra money. But he knew after the first night. He knew and the crowd knew, but they were there for him. So, you know, it, it, and that's the way it should be, man. But there's got to be, is there just a little bit underlying level of, of just frustration from you? Like, God damn yeah. it. Like, I, like, I feel like you, yeah. 
I feel like you want to scream, but it's like, okay, I'm just going to, because honestly, I do the same thing you do, and I'm in a better place than you because I don't have a family, so I just wake up by myself and go down to the kitchen and write my goals in this book. I can do that because I've got no no distractions, you know, no kids going, daddy, you know, hold on. I mean, I've got that, so I can just write this and this and that, and then get in that space where nobody's going to bother me because there, there is nobody in my life. No one listens to me, so it's all, it's all me, so I understand that, but I mean, do you have that space to where like, you know, you go in and you go, okay, I got a comfort. I got to know what I got to do. And, you know, there's frustration. Yeah, because you're you're on stage and, you know, sometimes you work places. I don't know about you, but you go, these motherfuckers ain't listening or something happens in the crowd. You go, why aren't they kicking that guy out? All right, just fuck it. All yeah. day I got a new joke. Somebody just stepped on a goddamn punchline from a new joke. God damn. And is, there, so is it, is, do you have that frustration now? Well, I'm, what you just said was very, uh, pertinent because you don't have all the distractions. You don't have all the family. So you have all the free time in the world, but still sometimes you don't get shit done. We just came through a pandemic, right? Everybody said, man, if I had 12 months off, I'd write a new hour. I'd have a book. My, this, this room downstairs would be cleaned out. I'd be in perfect shape. And we just all had 12 months to an 18 month off. Where's the new hour? Where's the new half hour? Meanwhile, the guy with four kids, child support, and all the other distractions in the world is out there grinding and gets it done. So you gotta, that's the thing. You gotta look at your own foibles, your own slickness, the way you trick yourself to be like, ah, do it tomorrow, or whatever that thing is. And I have to do that for me. That's the key. That's where the growth is. I know my little slick guy. He wants to have a drink so he doesn't wake up in the morning, so he doesn't go to the gym, blah, 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 blah. And it starts with a shot of vodka or whatever it is. Or I'm going to go see moms uh, so I don't want to do this free guest spot at the local comedy club. All those little chicks. It's the ego, man. The ego is slick as fuck. And you have to learn how to talk to yourself for real. And the difference between knowing and actually doing it, that's the work. And you want to get that gap to be smaller. You know, we all know, yeah, sit-ups are good. And, you know, pork is bad. <laughs> yeah, motherfuckers are fucking up the ribs whenever they come out. <laughs> you know, so that that's that's that, that thing. But my, my, acting my acting teacher, Larry Moss, he said, no matter where you are, you want to die in ascension. You want to die, you want to have, you want to, you don't want to, you don't want to die with your music in you, whatever that music is. Uh, whatever creative thing that is, you don't want to die with your music in you. And that's when people die prematurely because they keep finding excuses not to give the gift, not to give their music. So then sooner or later, the body temple, the universe just goes, you're not going to be one of these people giving gifts. You're going to take life from you. But if you keep, you know, who said it? Esther, happy, healthy, happy, healthy, dead. That's how you want to live. Happy, healthy, happy, healthy, dead. Not happy, healthy, didn't try drinking, denouement, failing health, failing health, failing health, burden on the family, burden on your kids, dead. Hap, dying ascension. Man, I was reaching for that Oscar when I got hit by that bus. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And this is what I learned from dealing with great teachers. So I don't, I don't, um, I don't think it's a waste of time and I don't discount it at all. But at the same time, you know, I don't get me wrong. I got a nice car and I have a nice house and all that stuff, you know, and I have a tendency to get lazy. Man, I made $100,000. I can relax. <laughs> well, you know Kevin's what, though? Going, when Kevin's going, I'm not a billionaire yet. I can't relax. There's a difference. You see that little difference? Well, you know, it's, it's like it's like Michael Jordan. And maybe Scottie Pippen and the rest of the Bulls. I mean, and I guess we did because Michael was the one percenter. You know, Scottie was, you know, he, I don't say as close to as equal as you can be. If Michael was a one percenter, Scottie was a three percenter, and mm -hmm. then it was the rest of the Bulls. And that's the, and that's the way I looked at it. And when you're great, great people sometimes have a hard time communicating with the rest of us, especially in their field. Mm -hmm. I mean, but I think they understand though. Hey, man, this person's doing the best they can. So I'm going to cut them slack. But I think they have a problem with somebody not pulling their weight. Like, aren't you going to fucking try, bro? Now, and with us, it's different because it's a, it, this is just, it's on, we're single. I mean, yeah. we're, I, I call us the Navy SEALs of entertainment. We're like, you know, if you're in a band, 
you know, you can get the band better. And you know what? If the band's fucking up, hey, I'm the most talented person. We're doing Ice Cube. Well, shit, I'm the most talented. I'm the one who wrote all the shit. I'll just go solo. And Dre go, well, I'll produce the beats. I'll do this. And while Ren and uh, Yellow are like, uh, hey, guys, uh, <laughs> when are we going to do a reunion tour? You know what I mean? So it's like, so I look at stand up in that way also, but I also look at, you know, and you're never supposed to look back, but. In your career, man, you work with, and I looked at, like you said, you surround yourself with greatness. Speaking of greatness, you work with Spike Lee. And man, he, to me, had a, a, a film that stands up to, through the test of time that even if you look at it today, everything's going on today and what he talked about goes on with Do the Right Thing. Do the Right Thing should have been movie of the year. And I think it's one of the movie. I think it's one of the greatest movies of the last 100 years, d- definitely in the top 20. Tell me what it was like the experience to work with Spike Lee. Well, it was uh, fantastic. And this is 1988. Um, we're filming because the Public Enemy song says 1989. That's when the movie came out. But the beauty of what, what Spike did, young director, uh, but accomplished. He had already done uh, She's Gotta Have It and Joe's Bedside Barbershop and all of the show uh, movies he did down at, I think he went to ha- uh, Howard. Um, what Spike did was have all the actors that were working on Do the Right Thing on the set every day, whether you were on the call sheet or not. There was a big gymnasium in Brooklyn and everybody had to sit in there because he didn't know because it was the hottest day of the year and it was on one single block what actor they were going to be using at what time. So everybody had to come in every day. So you're sitting in the um, lunchroom in this gym and you're like uh, sitting across from uh, Ozzie Davis and Danny Aiello and Ruby D and Sam Jackson and uh, uh, Richard Edson and, uh, you know, um, what's the curly heads guy's name? John Turturro, Bill Nunn. Bless his soul. Ironic yes. how the way he dies in the movie, shit is still happening on the streets right now. Exactly. Five years later. Yes. So, but you, you know, small conversations and talking with people, rainy days with Rosie Perez and talking and just having fun. It was like it was it was the best thing. I learned so much from Ernest Dickerson, guys. He was the cinematographer back then, well accomplished director now. About I'm still to this day about you know cinematography and film and editing and light and sound, uh, all these things that make a movie. It was, it was the best thing in the world. And then the ad libs came out with me and Martin and the, the guys in the crew. Uh, that was the, the experience of a lifetime, experience of a lifetime, hands down. Really? Hey, what, was, uh, what was Robin Harris like, man? Oh, <laughs> God, if he would still be alive, where would he be? Robin Harris, because <laughs> I back I, before I started doing comedy professionally, I was the, on the kid on the street snapping. I would, your mama's so black, your mama's so good. And that stuff to me is harder than professional stand up comedy, but that's all we had. You know, yes. watching yeah. Hong Kong Fui and Speed Buggy and coming out on the street and going, your mama's so black at the end of the tunnel and blah, blah, and ra- rhyming jokes. You know, we used to do these jokes that the uh, snaps that would rhyme. If you rhymed it and, and 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 talked about somebody's mother or something, it was even funnier. Yeah. Shit is hard if you think about it. But I was just a kid doing it. So I was like, that's what we did. You know, and if it yeah. fell, it fell. If it was great, it was great. Um, Robin's that type of guy. You asked about Robin. Robin is just like, snap, got jokes no matter what. Don't try to sneak up on him because he always got one in the chamber. And he's, and yeah, he's ready. Yeah. Robin was fantastic, man. Remember him at the Comedy Act Theater. Robin was fantastic. Shortly after Do the Right Thing, by the way, I moved in with uh, Martin in uh, in Burbank in his apartment. Slept on the floor. Really? Yes, how long, sir. How long, did you, how long did you stay there for? How long did you stay there I, for? I uh, was going to school at Nassau Community College to get a, a degree in accounting. I got the associates, and then we did Do the Right Thing, and I said, fuck it, going to L.A. to be a star. <laughs> so Martin was like, yeah, you can come out, crash on the floor. And Mar- Martin is very idiosyncratic. Yo, man, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't talk about my mother, don't worry. Cool guy, love him, love him, love him. But, you know, he had rules on his little one-bedroom apartment on King Street in Burbank, which I understand. So got to L.A., told, got an agent, I think I got an agent, said I was going to be a star. Hollywood said, no, you're not. So I said, oh, right. Went back to New York and finished my degree in accounting and started headlining at clubs in New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut. And by the time I was a senior at Adelphi University in uh, Long Island and accounting, 
if I had to go to school one more semester, I would have dropped out. I saw the light at the end of the tunnel. I knew my mother and father worked hard to pay for this degree. I said, what the hell? The least I can do is finish. I know I'm not going to be an accountant at this point because I'm making more money than my teachers and I'm headlining throughout the tri-state. But I finished. I got the degree. And eventually I got back to, uh, to L.A. in like 90, 94, 95. So uh, and then worked with Spike a couple more times. Mo Better Blues, Clockers, Get on the Bus. Malcolm X. And I got cut out of Jungle Fever. Did you know that? Whoa! <laughs> why they cut you out of Jungle Fever? Why, why, why? What happened I don't know. there? Once, well, I, I forgot the scene. Whatever it was, whatever reason, I got cut out of it. So that happened. Now, now did, it come to, did it come to a part where, like, uh, a point to where Spike knew you when you came in? Like, all right, you know, like, you, you kind of had, like, a, a little carte block on anybody else auditioning for the scene? Or you had to go in and, and be, you know, go in just as hard as anybody else? I, I don't know about anybody else. I always knew to be prepared. The scene that I cursed out Ozzy Davis, I wrote that. And I think it's the word soliloquy. Talking about things that we talk about, about being black and using words and being polysyllabic. I think it's the word when I put soliloquy in there that kind of sealed the deal and got me to roll as a mod and do the right thing. I'm not sure, but I was street enough, had on the Laker outfit, but was like soliloquy, you know, bam, bam, boom. You know, and it's just kind of the, the dichotomy of hearing, you know, these these bigger words from a young kid. Street dude. Street dude that, that it worked out. But so far as coming back, I always auditioned and I, and I was never given any part. I think maybe the jungle fever part he gave me, but that's why I probably got cut out. But uh, <laughs> and then on and then on Malcolm X, I was a director's trainee under him. So I got to, you know, like service Denzel and drive Spike around who didn't have a driver's license till he was 55. Crazy. Wow. Uh, <laughs> New York kid, you know, trains and subways and taxis and stuff. But uh, yeah, so I was in Malcolm X, but I was Brother Johnson. I didn't say any, I didn't have any words. I was the guy that got beaten up by the police. And then Denzel comes to see me in the jail. And that's when he does the famous to the mob outside the yes. jail. If you yes. look closely... I'm the bloodied up brother Johnson on the bed in the jail. So, uh, so you were in the scene. And then it just kind of tape, tape, tapered off and they did the, the, not the thin man. I wanted the, these movies about the bank and all this other stuff. And then the war movie, I was like, I'm not in any of these goddamn movies. What happened, Spike? Are we over? And, uh, five movies had a good run. Looking forward to working with him again. Can still reach out to him. Uh, he, he's never closed the door on me. If I had an idea or something, he, he went to bat for me at HBO Back in the Carol, Carol Strauss days. Remember Carol Carolyn Strauss or whatever her name was? HBO? Vaguely, um, vaguely. But uh, yeah, so got nothing bad to say about Spike. He's the guy who handed me, um, he handed me um, um, sketches in Spain, Miles Davis CD. He was like, you need to listen to this. And he handed me some movies, Kirk Douglas, Ace in a Hole. He was just, you know, he's like, listen to this cold train, listen to that as we're driving around, you know, and all this stuff. So was that, not, was that not, a bad, not a bad word to say about Spike. Was that to prepare you for Mo Better Blues when he gave you no, sketches? No, no, no. That was just like, yo, this is what we're listening to today. You don't know who Bessie Smith is? Put this in. You know, he was kind of like my mentor and stuff like that, you know, because I was the Long Island kid that had the car. We're driving right. to Brooklyn, pick him up, take him up to Sylvia's, have breakfast, go get Denzel, shoot in Harlem or whatever it was that day. So it was just great learning. And then conversely... John Turturro's uh, um, brother, Nick, you know, Nick Turturro, his, his yes. younger brother. Yeah. Nick was in uh, Mo Better Blues. They were the Jewish club owners. And, uh, and also Charlie Murphy, Mo Better Blues, God rest his soul. Um, Nick and John handed me Frank Sinatra at the Sands with Count Basie. They were like, you need to listen to this album. And that's one of my favorite albums to this day, produced by a young Quincy Jones. Did you know that? Wow. It's a, it's a great it's a great album. Frank Sinatra at the Sands with Calvin Basie and Frank does eight minutes of stand up in the middle of the album. Really? Check it out. It's hilarious. Well, when you listen, when you're, when you're around all that greatness, it has to rub off on. I mean, it just to me, it had. Did you know at the time? And by the way, before I even get it, what was it like to be in a scene with Denzel? What was it like? What's it? Was, it, was I in a scene with Denzel? Well, I'm in a jail scene. I couldn't see them. I had a bloody eye and a, I was like, ugh, ugh, ugh. yeah, but watch, but watch him now. What was oh, it? I mean, oh God, I got pictures of well, me. Oh, hold on. Let me see. Ah, can you see this? Don't, oh, don't triangulate my whereabouts. Nice house. Matter of ah, fact, matter of fact, Kenny just hit me up. The neighbor just hit me up. Yeah, yeah. Oh, 
That's Mine. me and Denzel in the pyramids when we were doing uh, Malcolm X. I don't know if there's a glare in it or not. Wow. That's you and Denzel Ezel. In Egypt at the pyramids. What was he, so, what was he like, man? What was he like? That, calm, calm, cool, collected, you know? And um, that was one of the things I did for free. I uh, said, Spike, I'll be your director's trainee. He was like, we don't have any money in the budget. I'm like, I'm doing it. And other people got jealous. They were like, how'd you get to be Spike Lee's director's trainee? And I said, I asked. Nobody asked. He's never had a DGA trainee. I asked. But because I asked, I was able to get this picture too. Let's see if you can see that one. See that one? Oh, who is that? Who is that? Is that Nelson Mandela? Yes, sir. Are you serious? That's Nelson Mandela in his house in Pretoria, 1993. That was the oh. that was the night that we asked that we asked. That was the night that Spike Lee asked um, Mr. Mandela to be in the movie. If you watch the end of uh, Malcolm X, um, Mr. Mandela does Malcolm X's speech at the end of the movie. But the caveat is he refused to say by any means necessary because it was the end of apartheid in 1993, four-ish, and he didn't want to ruffle the feathers. So if you watch the film, Mandela does the speech when it comes to by any means necessary, Spike cuts back to Malcolm saying it. And then they wow. cut back to Nelson Mandela. And that's how we got that in the film. But on that night, I'm just director's trainee hanging out with Spike Lee. And I said, let's go. We're going to uh, somebody's house. It was me, Spike Lee, Ernest Dickerson, and David Lee, who was Spike's brother, who is Spike's brother. And he's the still photographer. At the end of that meeting, I just raised my hands like, excuse me, sir, you mind if I take a picture? And Mr. Mandela was like, get over here, get over here. And that picture happened all because I asked. And I tell my kids, you want something, ask. You never know. What's the worst that can happen? No. Don't, don't worry, the worst that can happen is they say no. That's the exactly. worst. That's it. So, but I'm not trying to give up. No, that's why I got a new knee. I'm not trying. I'm trying to hit that next, that next level, that next gear. I'm like, fuck it. I'm going to get a one bedroom in Manhattan and do three shows at the comedy cell every night in the comic strip and let motherfuckers know I'm alive. Still here. Still here. Still oh, bringing still, it. Definitely, brother. I mean, I mean that, man. Yeah, you definitely still bring it. I, you definitely still bring it. Because I think I said, being around all that greatness, it has to, like, just through osmosis. You know, if you, if you read greatness, if you hang around great, you listen to greatness, it comes in. It's almost like, it, to me, if you listen to a lot of bad music or a lot of, uh, I just feel like it's a negative thing. And it, it permeates through your soul. And I think if you bring greatness in, in some way, that's going to come out in you. If you strive to be great, even if you're not great, you'll be close to it and you'll be above everybody else because the last thing you want to be is just average. Or and, you, and you know what to do. And then you know when you haven't done it. So, you yeah. know, the only person responsible for that is you, is me, right? What's the biggest thing like you want now? Like if you can say one thing now, what do you want now? Like your big thing now. Is it the, is it the, the, the big stand-up show or special or is it that one role in the movie that you know that could be get an award at an academy award i mean what's the big thing now that you really want probably a stand-up special called mediocre negro or something <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean it's just like you know just to, to, to be under the gun and go okay in six months we're shooting this so now you know, I was watching, uh, and I love this guy, uh, David Arnold. You know David Arnold? Yes, yes. His, his, newest, his newest special. I watched it. His first one, Fat Ballerina, was great. This next one was good. I, I texted him, and I, showed, I shot a picture of me watching it on TV. I said, thumbs up. I saw how he was hustling. I saw how he was grinding on to Kansas City, doing, doing the set 200 times before they filmed it. That kind of grind and just getting out there and into the country and doing a show and, and you know, because sometimes for me, I go, if I repeat it too much, it's going to lose that, ah! Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. But the yes. pros don't do that. The pros repeat, 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 deliver. Tom Brady, Chris Rock, whoever you want to name, the pros, when it's ready, put it out there. I have this thing, it's like, ah, I've been doing it too much. I want to surprise myself and not, do it so much, and then this is the results I get. So I gotta go. When you say about greatness rubbing off, I gotta go. Well, what do the great people do? Forget about what you think you should do. Do what they do and get that yeah. result. That's what I have to beat myself up about. Well, you know what? I look at like man, when you're in them, 
you know, the, the, the trenches sometime, man, when you're in that, you know, maybe you're working a three day out of Miami and that, you know, that, and that is sink or swim. Literally. That's, that's like spirit airlines of the sea. And, you know, you got, and you got that 1130, uh, Friday night show where, you know, oh shit. Hey man, you gotta come off. You gotta come off your game. You gotta go, you know, you gotta put a little Brett Favre in or do a little shake and bake. Cause you can't stay on your game and just do ba 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 you know, but I get that to get it tight, to get it where you want. Yeah, but I think you're like me. If it comes too much of just the same, it's like it loses. Like you said that, ah, and I always want to be surprising yourself. Like where you go on a little tangent. You're talking to somebody, you ask somebody a different question you would normally ask. And so that answer, you don't you won't have that, you know, some comments act like they're, oh man, this guy's a good as improv, but he knows what he's gonna say regardless. You mm-hmm. know, and you go, oh and like you can fool the people, but you can't fool the comic. Right. Where like sometimes you'll ask a question and you're not and you don't know that response because you're asking maybe an organic question. And they come up with something and you come up with a bam. And it's like, whoa, where did that come from? You go, man, will I be able to remember that once it's all when when this set is over? Will I be mm-hmm. able to remember that and write that down? Can I get it to make it look like it's gonna be this way the next show? And if you can incorporate it. That's when it's fucking gold. Mm-hmm. And if you can get that and get it and then get it. And I hate it when you get ready for a special, but sometimes you have to do it where it gets tight. You know, everything's tight. There's no fluffer. There's this, it's just bop, 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 That's, it's a bad feeling because you're not doing uh, like, like, like we like to do, like go out and explore. But at the same time, that end result, that end result, once it's mixed and, and cut, and the people see it and the reaction, you know, they can make anything look good. And that in the result, you go, whoa. And hopefully, fingers crossed, it gets the the accolades that you wanted it to get. You know yeah. what I mean? And think about somebody like Jerry, Jerry Seinfeld. And you and I are totally different in the way he processes. But does his way work? You're goddamn right it works. I mean, yes. It's got to. He said laundry, sock, baseball. The same way for a year before anybody saw it. And then when somebody saw it, they were like, Let's fucking do that. <laughs> but how boring would you be in BT? Laundry, sock, baseball. Good night, Des Moines. Laundry, sock, <laughs> baseball. Good night, Idaho. And you'd be like, the fuck? Am I doing comedy or am I? Again, what do the greats do? You don't have to um, become them, but emulate some of the, the, the modalities of what they do because it, it works. It's success. Compound interest works it's boring i have to save a dollar every week yes but at, you'll be happy at the end of this road you yes. know what i mean so that's me combating me going no i gotta be exciting and brand new and off the cuff because if i'm off the cuff with me they know i'm off the cuff with them not necessarily i could be repetitive as hell with, with myself but to them they still may think remember that night we went to see that show wow we we're so off the cuff who knows so that's what i'm trying to incorporate what the greats do but at the same time, look at somebody like uh, uh, um, what's his name? Uh, uh, the guy he's a uh, uh, I look kind of like JB Smooth. Yeah, JB Smooth a lot uh, a lot of improv on stage, yeah. didn't he? I would, comes off like that. Yeah, it comes oh, off it, like that. It comes off like that. So is it or is it not? I, I've never seen a live JB Smooth show. I've just seen him on you know talk shows and stuff like that. It yeah. comes off like it's just coming off the cuff like that. But I think it comes from a place where, you know, he's said it before and he's got so many of them. You yeah. know what I mean? You're just like, bang, right, right. bang, bang, bang. You got 20 bullets in the chamber. So yeah. when we see it, it's like, damn, that was fresh and brand new. Yeah. Well, who impresses you? And you've been around for so long and you've seen the ones that come up and this is no disrespect. I respect everybody's style, but sometimes you see people who get accolades and you go, really, huh? This yeah. guy's selling theaters, huh? But who makes you go, wow, that's well-deserving. Wow. I mean, who makes you go, wow? Being 35 years in the business, who makes you go, hmm? Well, I hadn't thought about this because I was like, if you take audiences nowadays, nowadays, you put them in a theater and you play live on the Sunset Strip, motherfuckers will walk out. That's boring. I'm not waiting for Richard to build up to this character, blah, blah, blah. And I'm sitting there going, you don't understand. The the genius of it all. So yeah. are we trying to trace uh, uh, chase that audience? Or are we trying to chase the genius that's Richard Pryor and what he did? So yeah. Richard Pryor is definitely on that list. I'm watching a special on George Carlin. He's on that list. Damon, when Damon is in his prime and, and banging out stand-up, couldn't be touched. He yes. was a monster. Monster. You know, uh, uh, that Anthony Bourdain joke that 
Chris, uh, the Dave Chappelle did to open one of his specials two specials ago. I was Positive. watching that going, where the fuck is he going? This is, there's no, holy shit. Yes. It was genius. Yes. That shit just, just, just turned me inside out. How he, the whole suicide joke. You never thought about committing suicide? <laughs> yeah, it's right out, nigga. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Chappelle is definitely there. Kevin Hart's definitely there. Um, David Tell. Love me some David Tell. Um, uh, Rogel in New York, one of my favorites. Um, how about Louis? You like Louis? Oh, yeah, love me some Louis. When they try to exercise, uh, you know, uh, cancel him, I was like, fuck y'all. Louis's funny as hell. Louis's got jokes. Louis's Dude. got jokes. Okerson, big Dave Okerson. Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. Man, I, I, you know, I just think that that's, I mean, well, hell, you're from the area. What is it about that Northeast, that little pocket between Boston and New York City? What makes those comics so damn good? Because I'll, I ask comics I, all the time. I said, name me a great comic, a great comic from Los Angeles. Who's from Los Angeles? A great comic that's from Los Angeles. Exactly. You get the dead air. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? I'll, I'll I'll go on record. I'll say I'll say George Lopez. I'll say oh, okay. George yeah, Lopez. yeah, yeah. I didn't know he was and, from L.A. And after that, then it's like, huh? But I'm from L.A. Great comic. And first, and I can think. And it took me a long time ago. Oh yeah, George Lopez. Listen to his talk at that, that Jack in the Box drive-through joke. It made me laugh so hard I had to stop my truck. I was literally parking my truck coming back from from Jack in the Box, and I had to and I had to stop my truck because I was laughing so hard that I had tears come out of my eyes and I couldn't see what I was backing up. I have an old school truck. We were, you know, but you remember back in the day you had actually had to look when you were backing yeah, up instead yeah, yeah. of Still looking do. at the little th- yeah. So I had to stop my truck and I laughed, and when I got through laughing, then I could back it up. And that was a great joke. But from L.A. I just say George Lopez, but after that, what is it that makes you that know who, New York You know Boston? who else I like, BT, and I think it's a good pairing because they're on tour right now? Earthquake and Corey Holcomb. I think, yeah, I like My those My God. Yeah. Man, let me tell you something. And it's no disrespect to Earthquake. And I'm, I'm glad he's with Corey because I just feel like Earthquake with an all-urban audience, all-black audience, that's Earthquake at his best. I mean, I've seen Earthquake when there's mixed audiences, and I mean, I saw him in Denver one time at the Comedy Works. Like, oh, this is not his crowd. You could just see he wasn't really, really being Earthquake like he was trying to. But he, I, I don't know. I, I just feel like Earthquake is just in his element when he looks out and it's just an all-black crowd. I just feel like that's Earthquake at his best. And with Corey Holcomb, my God. Who's going to close? Who's closing? Flip it up. Flip a coin. I mean, God, that's going to, man, that, that. That's going to be a great, that's a great tour. Yeah. Because, I mean, hey, you've seen what Earthquake can do. Earthquake murders. He body bags. And I think there's nobody that says a bad word about Earthquake. For him to be at that level, I've, I've never heard anybody say anything bad. He's always said something good. I remember I did, I fell flat on my fucking face at Mo Better Mondays. I mean, I, I, I took myself out. I think I, I intimidated myself before I went on stage. I was defeated. And uh-huh. yeah, it, it went just that way. I remember walking out, I was mad. And Earthquake stopped his conversation and he came and he go, hey, look, brother. You are funny. You understand? You are fu- And that just made my whole night. And I'll always remember that. I haven't talked to him since from that, but that just made all the difference in the world, man. He going, hey, brother, you are funny. And that just, it did it for me. So yeah. I want him to succeed more than anybody, almost more than myself. So I'm glad he finally got his due. Let's put it that way. You know what I mean? Yeah, like you, me, and Vince Morris. Would, that would be a great little pairing. But then you got to deal with people going, okay, how do we monetize that? How much money can we make? How many tickets can we sell? And all this other yeah. stuff that we don't want to deal with necessarily. We just want to do our jokes and do our our, our, our act and get better. Um, and that's what we continue to do. And that's why I think that whole Northeast pocket you're talking about, good comedians and great comedians come out of there because clubs, 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 opportunity, opportunity. And I'm not talking about, you know, I go up once a week. I'm talking about I go up two, three times a night. Yeah. You know what I mean? For a yeah. year. You can't yeah. you can't help but get better, you know. Yeah. Different it's, it's audience like a, and, and repeat the same stuff, or coming up with new stuff, or just trying stuff, whipping out the notebook, you know, low stakes, and just going, nah, "Let me try this," and then stumbling on this shit. That happens, and it's so funny because comedians we're the most anti-social people. You know, yes. like you know, so we never we only we hang out a little bit, but it's never like yo. And then BT and I we went out on mountain bike riding yesterday, and then tomorrow we have you know it's not it's different for comedians. We're antisocial like that. 
but it forces you to be a little bit more social uh, upstairs at the cellar, you know, that table where the comedians hang out and opportunity, stage time, stage time, stage time. And I go, you know, you get older and you're like, yeah, I like stage time, but I also like square footage. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and for what I'm paying for this house, and it's a nice house, I'd get a studio <laughs> in the city, and then I'd be away from my mom, and there's a lot of life happens and kids and all that stuff. But as you start thinking about what really makes this thing work, getting up on fucking stage, you know, getting on stage, trying shit out, failing, 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 failing forward, failing forward, failing forward. Did, did you metaphorically think when you moved from L.A. to Florida, did you metaphorically think that you were giving up for a little bit. I mean, it's you were give because I mean that happened to me when I moved from L.A. to Indianapolis. I mean, as much as I love Indianapolis, it it tries to be more than it is, and it's doing a great job of trying. But at the end of the day, it's a racing city. I mean, it's nice people; they're good people. But at the end of the day, it is what it is, uh-huh. and I just felt like, man, I, a little bit part of me felt like I gave up. I mean, I still try, but it's like. You know, you're someplace at a fucking bar and, you know, who gives a shit in Indiana where it's like, hey, man, you might want to leave before, uh, you might just want to leave just straight out of town and don't, you know, good luck, buddy. <laughs> you know what I mean? And one of those kind of towns, you go, yeah, I got you. And it's like, and it's like, okay, this is it's definitely not in LA. Like, did, it, did you feel like a little part of you that maybe gave felt, up a little bit? I felt bit? that a little bit, but not a lot because I moved out here to be closer to ships. I was getting a lot of ships. And so I moved out in 2018. I flew 180,000 miles and most of it was L.A. to Florida to get on ships. And because of the, the, uh, the deal my ex-wife and I had with the kids, I only saw my kids six days a month, if that, because she's a bitch. Um, <laughs> she negotiated that in court, in court. Anyway, Jesus. that's just pain. Um, so my accountant's like, Buy a house in, in, in Florida. You get a 25% raise just moving there because there's no state income tax. Bought a house, 2019, wrote a big check uh, in Florida, was paying $100 more than I was renting for in L.A., bought a house, paid $100 more, owned the house in L.A., in, in Florida. This is the house that we're in right now. 2019, drove the uh, Miami, drove the Fort Lauderdale, drove the Tampa, drove the uh, Canaveral, got on ships, came home, did laundry, flew back to L.A., did Airbnb with my kids for the six days that I had them every month. It worked out great. Came home, did laundry, did mail, sent out checks, got back on ships. Boom, boom, boom. I was like, 2019 is fantastic. What could fuck this up? (laughs) Boom. (laughs) It was perfect. I was like, this is great. Closer to New York, closer to my people in uh, uh, Georgia and South Carolina. It's fantastic. Shoot up. Two-hour flight. Two-and-a-half-hour flight. I could have pizza, bagels, and be doing a spot at the Comedy Cellar tonight. It was fantastic. And then the fucking white man decided <laughs> the pandemic. We had to, we had to do this trial run. <laughs> Ain't that life, though, man? I, Ain't that life? Dude, I, I, oh God. I love it. Man. I swear to God, I, I I sing your praises all the time. And no one, I mean, people who, who don't get it, they don't get it. And I go, it's hard to describe, but I go, man, this is the dude. I mean, the dude. I, I, I almost get mad at, at watching, like, I mean, great. Yeah, there are the greats. Don't get me wrong. You know, there's Chris Rock, who's, you know, arguably going to go down to one of the top 10 greatest comics of all time. There's Chappelle and there's Hart. But, man... I just put you up there with them all. I mean, as far as overall, and I'm not just yanking your chain, man. Overall, there's nothing that you haven't done that, like I said, because you, you've been around greatness, and what you do is you project that greatness. And you're, to me, what a comic is, especially offstage. Sometimes comics are like, you know, that weird offstage where, like, ah, you're nothing like on stage. You know, you're not fun. You're just like, like how you want a comic to be. You're yeah. fucking goofy. You're funny. I mean, we get it. And one of my greatest compliments to my to myself is I introduce you to Dave East. And I'm not really a hip hop dude, but I introduce you to Dave East, and you're like, oh, okay. And I was like, yes, I did it. And for me, not to be a hip hop dude, to introduce you to hip hop, and you're a hip hop dude. I go, yes. And that, that was one of my crowning achievements in life, bro. Well, there's a there's a great hip hop comparison because you can ask people 
all over the, uh, America, you know, rappers, top five, top 10. And sometimes they won't put the Steve White rap equivalent guy's name in a scenario. But then once you say him, you go, fuck, how did I forget about KRS-One? So that's who I think I am. I'm edutainment. I am edutainment. Teaching, talking about history, talking about race. But it's funny. With the boom bap of jokes. But it's funny. I mean, it, it's it's not a, a, a pre. No one likes to be preached. Just for me. Right. I don't want to go. If I want to get preached, so I'll go to church and I'm never going to church. But it's like, you know, going to church. So when you put the jokes in and it's jokes, but it's like, ah, but it's still, bum, 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 you can't beat that. And there's very few who do it. And it's you and it's Godfrey who don't preach while you do it. It's you. It's Godfrey. I'm trying to think of somebody else. But I mean, as far as joke, joke, I mean, I love Vince. Sometimes it gets a little preachy sometimes, mm. but at the same time. You know, if, you, if you're going to do that, be funny while you do it. And no one does it as well as. I mean, maybe as good as, but not better than you. Well, I mean, you. Yeah, you, Godfrey. And I mean, I give you all your flowers, man, because you're always, you're good with it. And you know you are going to crack the fuck up, man. I can't wait till we work again. I, I really, I want to work with you again. And honestly, I love to work with you on a project. Because I, I, you know, I think I'm a decent actor. I landed a little short film that I did, you know. And I know you did, you did your own independent movie, which I did also. You wrote, pro- produced, directed, uh-huh. starred in it. Now, coming, now, I've done the same things. This is the only thing, one of the few things I feel like uh, we're people years on is I did the same thing I produced it wrote it directed it I, I was I was in charge of everything so to you when you when you went into it did you realize what was the part that you realized that you didn't realize until after it was over that you loved that you loved or end up loving more that you didn't think you would for well, me it was it was directing for me it was directing well that's the thing about it this is after I had the um director's trainee with Spike Lee I did, instead of going, I'm gonna shoot a film, I went to NYU Film School. Remember, I always like to learn how to do what I wanna do. So, and uh, Spike actually helped me out to get into the NYU Film School um, summer program, uh, intensive filmmaking course, that's what it was called. Made a few phone calls. He said, hey, Scorsese did it for me, I'll do it for you. I'm like, sounds good, right? Scorsese, Spike Lee, Steve White. So did that, did the program, shot my little first little film in Washington Square Park. It was about pigeons because they just go, here's a handheld crank 16 millimeter. Go out there and make a movie. Then I decided to do something in my own town with subject matter that I knew about, which was tennis. Uh, and I wrangled people that I knew from working with Spike Lee and the NYU film school program. And I did this project down at my local park, Roosevelt Park in Long Island, home of Betty Murphy and Howard Stern. And um, what I remember about the director is that's what it is. It's one of the last, you know, totalitarian regimes. Director, you are responsible for everything. Yes. From lights to, to bounce boards to nagras, which is, you know, sound, boom, shadows, casting, extras casting, craft services, food, transportation. It's a lot. And if you're not built out, built for that, don't do it. The directing part, all right, boom, boom, cut, action, go. Not easy, but if it's just that, easier. But when you got to deal with all the other stuff, and this is why directors, as they go, get uh, their fame and their their um, their glory, they hire people to do casting and all this other stuff and cinema. So there's departments and all that stuff. Starting out, you're responsible for all of it. But one thing I liked about it was the fact that I was the director and I was filming a young me. It was kind of an autobiographical piece. So dealing with the young actors, giving me flashbacks. I was shooting in my same house that I was born and raised in, in Long Island. I really, really, really enjoy that. Whether I want to pursue directing or not, not particularly yet. I'd rather get um, the um, the fame and the um, the in through the acting and the stand-up. Uh, and then if I have a project that I'm very, very... Um, passionate about and you have to be passionate about it if you're going to direct it then I can step in and do that and actually know what I'm doing but not just yet okay man that's great I mean I I, I, I know what it's like man I I mean I did it I I, I said I was gonna do it for over two days ended up doing it over one day should have did it over two. I should have did it over two because I fin- we finished up like at six in the morning. And I think and the lead actress hated me. I mean, she she hadn't spoken to me since. She was great, but I was like, all right, you know. And I get it, but I paid everybody. So and they didn't think they were getting any money. So hey, I don't know why they were fucking pissed off. I paid them. 
on the table, like here. Thanks. You know what comedians doing well with uh with film and small film projects and medium film projects? Joey Medina, he's winning um awards. Yes, I have seen that movie. Yeah, that was yeah, a good yeah. movie. That was a great movie. Yeah, yes. I work with Joey. Yeah, that was a great movie. That was a really good movie. Mm-hmm. Love that, man. So, and I got a little project. Who knows, man? I'll hit you up with a project that I've been thinking about, and maybe I could write it and then uh, see if you can do Who knows? See if you can direct it or whatever. We'll talk about that. Yes, sir. Or whatever. You know so what I'm doing right after this? What are you doing? My buddy gave me a, uh, <laughs> this gave. Uh, I got downstairs a Triumph, a two-cylinder Triumph. Which, the Bonneville. The Bonneville. Oh, uh, so no. He, he goes, if you if you got room to store it, just take it. I've had the motorcycle for a year. <laughs> so um, yes. the, the, there's no brake fluid in the front brakes. I'm just taking it to a local shop. But he literally just said, take the bike. So I was about to get a bike, but I was like, I don't really want to buy a motorcycle. So I've had a Bonneville for the last uh, year and a half downstairs. And all I got to do is maintain it. So I'm taking it to the shop after this. Okay. Well, I'm coming to see you then right after this. I'm coming to see you right after this. And you know what I'm going to do? In about two weeks, try, I'm doing a, a California a soup bike school in Pittsburgh. I'm going uh, to ride. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to do that again. Which, which, that. which super bike school? Uh, California super bike school. Oh, California. California. Okay. Yeah. You bring your own or you ride theirs? No, I'm, I'm rent one of theirs. Rent one of theirs. So, yeah, I'm renting one of their bikes. I'm not doing my bike like that. I'd rather pay for a bike that I fuck up than fuck up my bike. You crazy? So, yeah, yeah. that's what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm going to take theirs and throw it around the track, man. I, I can't Now, wait. are you going to ride your motorcycle to Pittsburgh? No, no, because I'm going to take out my leathers with me. I got my leathers and stuff, man. I'm, yeah, I, yeah, you yeah. understand. My mindset is I literally think, I mean, I, I live my life like I'm in a movie. So, and so I'm going to act like I'm a GP rider. And I'm going to pack my own bag. And, and in my mind, in my mind, I'm going to get little bottles of water oh. and drink like they do. And I'm going to sip, sip, sip water, and I'm going to go there thinking I'm a MotoGP rider. And for that day, I'm going to be MotoGP rider BT. You got to my- hire an umbrella girl. Uh, well, the, the, we'll, 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 we'll get to that. We'll get to that. But yeah, I'm going, I'm going straight method acting, brother. I'm going straight method acting, man. So good for you, man. Good for you. Yeah. You know what? I want to do it again. I, I won't be as fast as I was, but I, I remember all that shit. Who gives a shit? Just do it, man. It's all about doing, bro. It's all about doing. You know. Every time I watch the pros, I go... I can get out there and nobody's going to beat me by, uh, nobody's going to beat me by a minute. <laughs> a lap. <laughs> now, I know that sucks. <laughs> All right, nobody's getting beat me by a minute a lap. I don't give a fuck who you are. Steve, it's all said and done with, brother. It's all said and done with. Yes, sir. How you want to be remembered, man? When it's all said and done with, you know, they're giving your, the black giving Robin your flowers. Williams. The black Robin Williams? <laughs> That's it? Comedy at the Met special, a fellow on stage, and Mark and Mindy, whatever that would be. Me and Andy Kindler or some shit. I don't know. That's Had a project right. for me and Andy Kindler. You know, two <laughs> Jews walking a bar. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Man, Steve, it has been a pleasure, bro. This has been a long time coming. I mean, it's from the bottom of my heart, man. I, I wanted this so bad, and I'm so finally glad that we did it. And we're fucking buddies, man. I love that more than anything. I mean, from the bottom of my heart, man, I wish you nothing but the best, brother. We will talk soon. Later, I'm, run, I'm up against it. So right now, thank you, Steve. I appreciate you, brother. Follow Hello, Steve man. on uh, at Steve Ain't White on Instagram, and that is also his website, steveaintwhite.com. I'm BT. Thanks for watching Tales for Gemini. You know the word. Peace. Peace.